Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com. I don't wanna play in your I don't like you anymore. You'll be sorry when you see me sliding down our cellar door. You can't holler down our lane. Hello, dear listener, and welcome to another episode of Everyone is Hot, the podcast that talks about your favorite stealth sex symbols and their film that turned you on to them. I am Michael Stevens. And I'm Shelley Brooks. And ooh, Betty, we have got a really, really exciting guest today, a return oh guest. Oh, oh my God. And no one better suited for this movie. This is going to be uh, so good. So today we have writer filmmaker, programmer, and gal about town, Caroline Gollum. Welcome, Caroline. Oh, thank you, comrade. It's so great to be back. <laughs> thank you, comrade. We're oh. happy to have you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, Caroline, what are we going to be talking about today? Well, what aren't we going to be talking about today? So, ostensibly, <laughs> we were going to talk about the film Reds from 1981, um, which is having a moment, thanks to, um, I, I'm pretty sure it's just because it was on Criterion for a couple months, or just one <laughs> month. Um, so thanks to them, everybody's been watching Reds. I don't know what happened. You were you and I were randomly watching it separately. I told Tessa to, write, to watch it, and she wrote about it, and we'll get into that in a second. Beautiful. Everybody I met either watched Reds like three years ago, season one of the pandemic, when it was time to watch a four-hour movie, or like <laughs> in the last four weeks. I am in the latter camp. I slept on this movie super hard. I grew up with a poster of it in the living room of my childhood home, which I just wow. visited last week. Oh, in LA. yeah. So cool. I got back on Wednesday from LA. I was staring at that Reds poster the whole fucking time. Just what as taste? I every day for the first 18 years of my life, I stared at that poster. <laughs> and it was always like beguiling to me. I never felt any inclination toward watching this movie because I knew it was long as hell. <gasps> yeah. like, you know what? It's quite long. Every movie finds you like in the moment when it needs yeah. to find you, you know, like I watched Legally Blonde on the plane back from LA. I'd never seen it before. It found me oh, in the moment I mean, it needed to find me. Wow. I know. It's been a real week of a month of discoveries for me over here. That's so. heavy. Oh. That's actually perfect because I didn't fall into either Red's camp of early pandemic or recently on Criterion. I first saw Red's about a year ago because it was playing on Delta. Wow. 
every time I flew, I watched Reds. So I saw it like, I was like, for some reason, going back and forth a lot, like between, you know, my family in Georgia and like New York. But yeah, so I watched Reds like five times in a row. (laughs) (laughs) I love that fucking movie. And it's a perfect airplane movie. It's a great airplane My movie. My go-to oh. usually is Citizen Kane because I love watching Citizen Kane on an airplane. Wow. <laughs> love it. Oh. <laughs> we ever made it any size. It's a great on an airplane. Because oh enough times you can kind of dip in and out. You know what's happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, Red on an airplane is like a perfect choice. This movie blew me the fuck away. I don't know why I didn't expect it to. I probably just thought it was like some indulgent thing. I also for many years kind of conflated it with Ishtar because I was like, they're long and they both were Warren Beatty. Like, wasn't this a historical flop? And then I Mm -hmm. saw Ishtar, I mean, like 10 years ago and was like, oh, this is a masterpiece. Like the man has it out for Elaine May. Clearly. But this movie, like Warren Beatty to me is like the, the like platonic ideal of a blue, like a boomer male. And I don't think he's a boomer. I think he was in the thirties. He's a boomer. He's sure that yeah. McLean's brother, so he's born in like the right. 30s. But he's like a boomer icon, you know what I mean? He yeah. like younger for longer than most boomers. Right. So same with like Jack Nicholson. You know, I think of him as being like that new Hollywood, like mm-hmm. iconic ideal of that of that kind of guy. And so for him to come out of the gate with this movie that's about like the um, the American labor movement and the anti-war movement and it's like uneasy negotiation with the Democratic Party. Mm-hmm. plus a change yeah. and throwing all the sexual politics into that too is like a as like a smaller kind of microcosm of the larger problems that we're all kind of combating at once in our society is is brilliant and then also i don't know if you guys you probably knew this because you've seen this movie five times on delta that's <laughs> wild started, i can't believe that that's like you need a medal so <laughs> started like the project, the nascence for it was like in 1966, like Warren Beatty's staring yeah. at this growing anti-war movement in America mm-hmm. and thinking like, you know, where have we been and where are we going? And yeah. it's remarkable to think about how he couldn't get this off the ground until like literally the dawn of the first Reagan administration. It's, it's so crazy to think about. Yeah, the time when it came out is so nuts. But yeah, I also I put off watching it for a long time because I felt like it maybe until pretty recently, I think had a kind of negative reputation. I feel like I'd always heard of it as kind of like, like you said, like like a sort of indulgent, yeah, slog. And like, it is kind of, but like, that's to its credit, I think. Yeah, it's to its fucking credit. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) No, it's funny. I actually so (laughs) I, I watched this movie all the time. Uh, and so I recently showed it to my aunt and uncle for the first time. And uh, I was out at their place last week. And there's the scene where he's like in the kitchen and like setting things like on fire as like they're just like getting a bunch of like exposition out of the way. Yeah, right, right. And it, like my aunt was like, what is the fucking point of this scene? And I was like, well, they're getting a lot of exposition done like as he's doing like this fun little thing so it doesn't feel like a slog to yeah. have the exposition. But yeah, I mean, because I think like that scene kind of like encapsulates what's interesting about Warren Beatty doing this is that like he he clearly has this like interesting like didactic point of view but he like has the Hollywood sensibility as well so it's like okay if we're gonna give all this information I guess we ought to like you know do some goofy physical comedy while we're at it yep (laughs) (laughs) well in case anyone has not seen Reds which if you have not you gotta watch it so good like immediately but Michael could you tell us what Reds is about American journalist John Reed journeys to Russia to document the Bolshevik Revolution and returns a revolutionary. His fervor for left-wing politics leads him to Louise Bryant, then married, who will become a feminist icon and activist. Politics at home become more complicated as the rift grows between reality and Reed's ideals. Bryant takes up with a cynical playwright. (laughs) Okay, okay, what? <laughs> uh, and Reed returns to Russia where his health declines. Whoa. How? How? How do you summarize this movie? Um, <laughs> just a random little playwright. Just some random fucking guy. Yeah. Some shithead. 
Don't yeah, we get some, some interesting synopses from uh, IMDb, but that was my favorite detail that he's just uh, a cynical playwright. He's, you know, just not, some not guy. he's just some bum. Not wrong, but that is an interesting way to describe, like, you know, one of the foremost dramatists of uh, the American theater. Sure. Fair, fair huh. enough. <laughs> well, before we get, we've already, you know, dug in a bit, but before we, like, really get going with the conversation, we do like to play a little game called the sexy trivia game. That's erotic. Michael, would you like to start us off with the sexy trivia game? Absolutely. Reportedly, Warren Beatty reshot some scenes up to 35 times. Paul Sorino said he did as many as 70 takes for one scene. And Maureen Stapleton said she did as many as 80 takes for another. Reportedly, of this, she famously once said to Warren Beatty, Are you out of your fucking mind? This earned her a round of applause from the crew. Mmm, that's sexy. I love it. She's so fucking good in this movie. So good in this movie, too. My God, such a bitch. I love it. Caroline, would you like to give us number B? Number B. I mean, number B. (laughs) Gene Hackman agreed to appear in the film in a small role and appearing in just two scenes as a favor to friend Warren Beatty for his gratitude to him helping Hackman with his career when Beatty got him cast in Lilith and Bonnie and Clyde. Wait, what? The syntax on that is... Yeah, <laughs> again, we love IMDb. brought <laughs> <laughs> this directly from... Okay, Gene Hackman agreed to appear in the film in a small role and appeared in just two scenes as a favor to his friend Warren Beatty. As, as uh, for his gratitude to him for helping Hackman with his career when Beatty, I can't, I can't do it. You can't even punch it up. You know, it's like oh, it's I'm so hard. I'm never on IMDb because it is the worst website on the planet. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> terrible website, terrible app. But we do crib a lot of stuff from it. So <laughs> you're well used. Like a lot of people are on it. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Were you on the the message boards back in the day? That was long the long time era. ago. A long time ago, but like I'm never, I'm never giving up Wikipedia now for my one-stop shop for movie info. Mm-hmm. It's all there. It's all there. It's no all ads. There. Shout out to Wikipedia. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> you love you, Wikipedia. Thing. Yeah, I had like 40 tabs open after I finished watching Reds, man. I went till <laughs> yes. Just I went all all throughout the extended Reds universe after this. <laughs> Amazing. Well, we're going to finish ourselves off with number C. Jack Nicholson. (laughs) Jack Nicholson once got so frustrated having to do so many takes of a scene with Diane Keaton that he snapped at Warren Beatty. Just tell me what the fuck you want and I'll do it. Mm. Isn't that what it's like? What was that? Isn't that what everybody says when they're acting in a movie? Just tell me what you want. <laughs> tell me what the fuck you want. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think that that's that's a solid approach to acting. Honestly, it's like you know, just tell me what the fuck to do. <laughs> supposedly, the set of this movie was also like a total shit show. Like there was a lot of like interpersonal drama, which I didn't read much about because I feel like I oh. I didn't need to after seeing the movie. Like I just knew watching it that all these people were fucking. Oh, hundred. They're all fucking each other and they're all fighting, yeah. like just like in the movie. Yeah, I mean, it can't be like a Warren Beatty movie and he's like not fucking everyone, right? Well, and also like they're all, you know, they're all method actors. Oh, this is why it was on Criterion because they had the method acting thing. I didn't know all these people were method actors. I just assumed everyone acting after 1950 is just a method actor because (laughs) they got rid of all the other styles i don't know right Uh, (laughs) we just seem to be like one left after after world war ii at least in america (laughs) i mean can you name like literally any other style of acting like is there are there any that have names yeah i guess that's that's like the only one i can think of (laughs) yeah i guess like yeah so like a sort of like comprehensive system that seems to be the thing because i mean like you know i've taken like classes and like various different like schools of thought and styles and stuff but like none seems as like comprehensive as the method but i mean but then also i think that most actors aren't like proper 
method actors today. Mm -hmm. I think that it, everyone does kind of like a hodgepodge of different techniques and just kind of like takes from them, you know, what they find useful. Because I think that people got like burnt out on like, I don't know, some of the more extreme cases of American method acting that they were oh, like. Yeah. <laughs> but I think in this case, they probably like, it becomes one of those things of do the performers in this film like have to go out of their way or try deliberately to cultivate like a, a, a habit connected with their character, this historical mm. person or, or, huh. you know, are they deep in the research where they're trying to embody this person or is it the reverse where they're drawn to the material because they already mm. see something that's resonant in the other, yeah. the other person they're playing? It's an interesting question. Cause I mean, I definitely like, I, from what I, you know, little I know about sort of like Diane Keaton's personal life, it seems like Louise Bryant, like is a very sort of, uh, I don't know, like a very sort of close analog to some of the stuff that she's talked about. Like it's been interesting over the years reading things about like her talking about her career and her relationships with men and her like deep, like deep insecurity. I mean, she'd like struggled with, you know, eating disorders and things. And like, it was just right. constantly kind of like used badly by men, um, uh -huh. you know, especially like some of the, like the bigger stars of the era, like, God, it was like heartbreaking reading about her, you know, she was like deeply in love with like Al Pacino at one point and he you know, was kind of a dick to her. And oh, yeah, I, I can definitely see some like interesting resonances there. And I, I think with all of the all three main characters that like, it seems like there is like a real sort of like affinity between who, who they are and these characters. Absolutely. I think that there, there's a lot of like sexy stuff in this movie, but there's also a lot of stuff where you watch it and you're like, fuck, this is incredibly real. And yeah. I think, like, and Tessa brings this up in her fantastic movie diary piece about this. I should mention um, those scenes where she goes to the cafes with John and people go, what do you do? Oh, I'm a writer. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. And then they just go back to talking about whatever it is that they're talking about. Like, being a you know being a, a woman writer and like being surrounded by people who aren't interested in your work but then the flip side of that is also that she's not really doing much like she's right. up she's announced that she's going to be a writer and john reed's going okay well what are you actually working on like mm -hmm. what are you doing you know what i mean so i on the one hand you you got to hand it to diane keaton and especially in this role where she's thinking like okay these guys are all like not taking me seriously like i'm showing up here i'm my own person they're going to treat me like a sex object but then, like, the next layer down from that is, like, yeah, they are pigs, but also, like, what are you doing with yourself? You know, are you being yeah. serious about, like, what it is you're trying to pursue? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, and so you mentioned this piece by your friend Tessa. It's a beautiful piece. And, like, she talks about this love triangle and how, you know, there is this really, um, like, almost, like, ag aggressive egalitarianism between John and Louise, uh, in a way that is both like liberating, but also can feel cold and like you're, you're not really held and supported. And mm -hmm. whereas like, it's the, you know, the opposite in her relationship with Eugene O'Neill, where, you know, he is protective and attracted her to the point of like smothering. Um, and it is a much more sort of like patriarchal kind of relationship there. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's really interesting. And like, I think that I was, I, a lot of my like favorite Warren Beatty like acting roles are what I think he's so good at playing like dumb guys. And, <laughs> and I mean, he's like a famous like fuck machine. So like, you know, yes. there's, yeah. But so I, I was like, honestly shocked when I first saw the movie at like how sort of like sensitively he portrays her storyline. I know. And also he's very sensitive too. like everyone in this movie is like so sensitive and like, they're so hot and they just, they're so idealistic and all they want to do is like fuck and like liberate you know coal miners or whatever and they like don't know anything about these people like it's such a strange it's they have a strange relationship to like their own feelings and then also the feelings of other people it's like being involved in some mm -hmm. great uh you know leftist political causes what gives them license to be sensitive about their interpersonal foibles and their interpersonal relationships i buy warren Beatty as kind of like he plays john reed as like a himbo yeah like, that guy especially that scene where he's uh, where he's like in the the Soviet meeting hall, and he gets up and he talks through the translator, and he and he feels that wave of applause or the scenes where he's yeah. arguing with Paul Servino, the uh, Italian, a socialista guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't think he's Italian. I think he's actually Spanish. He was like a real life guy. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. Also, Paul Servino very hot in this movie. <laughs> Paul Servino is very hot in this he movie. Is very, he's, he's. You go he's for Warren and and Diane and and Jack, but like. Everyone in this movie is hot. Edward Herman. Everyone's I mean, hot. my God. Edward Herman. Yes. Yeah. 
everyone uh, in their dumb little glasses and their hats. Oh, uh, it's great. I mean, even Jack Keogh, like I'm looking at this guy going like, he's never looked better. Yes. Oh my God. We've got to bring back like 20s style. I think that, you know, well, men know. look real good in that. I was thinking about this the other day because that my, um, my, my sweetheart was like, what would you do if I started dressing in an old timey way? And I was like, mm, I would hate it actually. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I miss, I will say I did watch a movie at MoMA last night with Gene Raymond and the man looked poured into a turtleneck and high waisted trousers with a belt. And I do miss like when men would have like a natural waist. Like a male waist, I, mm-hmm. I, so I, I have a with like big, with like a big butt. Um, what? But I, that's, I, that's a handsome look, but it's hard to pull off. I have a big question um, about this topic um, because I'm, uh, just clothes in general. Okay. Uh, what what should what should men be wearing? Um, like, how should we be dressing Pants ourselves that, look, that make their butts look nice? Yes. Okay. I think okay. I always to make your butt look nice. Yeah. Good butts. Right. I think men's Good shorts, butt. not short enough. No. Men's shorts, not short enough. Go, go like 1970s NBA short. Mm-hmm. Right. Go, everybody wants some charity car wash short. Okay. Yes. <laughs> or you wear a trouser. Don't give me this halfway. I right. want to see the threat of a, of a ball if you sat the wrong way. The threat of a ball. The threat of a ball. <laughs> <laughs> not like I don't want to see the ball. I just want to think like, Ooh, it's like it's I the threat of the, the uh, no, I, <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, no, I exactly. know exactly what you mean. Yeah. yeah I don't yeah, think like you need to go around and like, they don't have to be like tight. Like they can be kind of loose, but they like, can be loose. Oh, yeah. Ooh. Ooh. Shorter. I want to uh, see the leg. I'm a leg man. I'm a man leg man. Man leg. Ooh, a little thigh on a man is so nice. Uh, oh God. Yeah, nice Good. Big butts. Big butts, big, big thighs. Butts. No, big no more of this like short shirt. Yeah, right. Oh, shirt, and I'm sorry. I think okay. It I I had like a moment or, of, or what I like to call the Italian smoking jacket, which is a white tank top. Okay. Tucked into a pant. Yes. With a shirt over it, and that, oh. that's like the casual version of it. I think is very. It's like a '90s as '40s Armani. Yes. Mm. Oh, that's this- like kind of. I think everybody should just be wearing like '90s Armani. <laughs> like yeah. what? <laughs> the answer is '90s Armani because it's the '40s silhouette, but it's '90s, so it's okay. Mm. 90s. Throw in a little gold chain. Oh. Yeah, the chain. Dress like an off-duty um, baseball player. Off-duty <laughs> or dress like a like um, you know, henchman number four in the ten million dollar action movie from nineteen ninety seven. Yes. Ooh, oh my god. Okay. Early seasons Tony <laughs> Soprano, you know, well yes. ooh, this is yes. the look. Cousin at the barbecue from okay. the Jersey side, you know. Cousin at the barbecue, say no more. Um I saw him <laughs> last week. He's doing very well and he Was dresses so much better than me. Jacket tucked into trousers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a exactly. fancy fancy fellow. Um okay. This has been very, very helpful for me. Uh watching this movie just because I was like, oh, I was watching it with uh, my partner and it was a humiliating experience because these guys <laughs> dress so well and so- uh, inhabit inhabit their physicality in such a way um, that made me go, damn, Michael, like walk like you're somebody. Walk, move through this world like you are somebody, you piece <laughs> of shit. Um, like, they're also because they're dressed well. They're dressed well. They're dressed well. And unfortunately, you know, I know it's bad, but they all look really cool because they're smoking all the time. They're smoking all the time. <laughs> and they got principles. Oh. But like they're smoking, they're smoking with conviction where they're arguing late into the yes. night. Yes. yes. They're having fights. Bistro oh. about you know praxis. Yes. I want to hear oh. about we talked about this very briefly before we started recording, but I want to hear about your like leftist dating adventure because I, I want to talk about the like sexual politics of this movie as like a larger politic. Um, yes. And I didn't yeah. like, like before we get too off topic because the fashions are like truly the best part of this movie. I just also want to start out like Diane Keaton's like kooky art teacher effect where she's up in a Hudson and she's got her schmata with her like vaguely ethnic oh jewelry. Chef's ass. Oh, walking on the beach in like a white flowing dress. White dresses and like their and like their little like it's so many shawl collar sweaters in this movie. Mm. Like a golden collar sweaters. Nineteen eighty was a great time for knitwear. Just throwing that out there. Oh Um, yeah. But then the contrast when they get to Mother Russia and everyone's just (gasps) looking like shit. 
<laughs> I love this film. I had like a great talk um, about it with my old man afterwards. My dad, not my old man. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah not like Joni Mitchell, my old man. <laughs> yeah. Both. I always thought old man was like your dad. Oh, like, yeah. yeah. When I hear my old man, I think old timey being like, oh, my fella. <laughs> oh, really interesting. Well, I was talking yeah. right to my old dad then about yeah. this movie. Um, and talking about like the politics of it and stuff. And he's like, well, I think it's a very anti-Bolshevik film. I said, yeah, no shit. Like I think sometimes <laughs> text there, like you're not supposed to like these, these people. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I understand like the power and the fervor of the revolutionary moment. I think that's what the film is about, yeah. but it's also about what happens when you sacrifice principle at, at the altar of ideology. As Slava Zizek says in Pervert's Guide to Ideology, my birthday twin Slava Zizek, every day I'm eating from the garbage can and the garbage can is ideology. Yeah, and it's interesting how you see the sort of like gradations of this like an unbending like sense of your principles. Because I mean, you get it like in America, like in that that where they're supposed to have that meeting, and I can't remember the the character's name, but the guy whose like wife is sick. Yeah, and, and he's like, "Why were you late? Why didn't you pick oh, this God. guy up?" And he's yeah. like, "Was coughing up blood." And he's like, "Well, you don't care about the movement." And then a few hours later, Warren Beatty's stuck in in the ass end of siberia and he's yeah. like i gotta get back to new york and they're like you don't care about the party and <laughs> you don't have families and he's like damn you got me yeah, yeah. right he's like uh, well, yeah. Yeah. Not somebody's telling it to you and you're dressed like shit <laughs> but i will say when they first get to russia and they're wearing like the furs and shit oh yeah every yeah. room has a chandelier which yes. is like, oh, I can confirm that the public housing in the Soviet Union, I guess it was all public housing in the Soviet oh, yeah. Union. Um, there was a chandelier in every room, as confirmed to me by my numerous Russian classmates. I love that. Oh my gosh. Yeah. No, yeah, I- this movie did not make me want to be a Bolshevik. It just made me want to be a leftist who fucks everybody. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Louise Bryant, a boy crazy ho who thinks she's a genius and doesn't do much. Yeah. <laughs> and it's so funny. And I think that like it's what the movie does really well is showing how like situa- situationally like people's like politics and like their their freedom or whatever is like so different like you know whether it's the you know Warren Beatty saying like who cares if your wife's coughing up blood and then being like shit I, I can't leave Russia yeah. or her like in the beginning that you know she's so scandalous because she's like posing in the nude but like once she's like in the company of these leftists they're all like oh you're kind of like a provincial like you know yeah conservative and so yeah it's like i think yeah it's like really nicely observed how yeah the the gradations of the politics and of the people's personal liberty i know and they have that beautiful moment they're like those chunks of time where they're playing house up in hudson and they even get like a golden retriever like they're yeah. like yeah. trying into this thing and, and and trying very genuinely to like have it both ways right they want mm-hmm. their heteronormative suburban house with the dog because yeah. they're still products of the American class system, but they also want to undo all of that and like bring about a workers' revolution. What I especially love about this movie, and I first few minutes I watched it, and maybe like the first ten or fifteen, I was like, "Oh, am I gonna, <laughs> am I gonna turn this off?" Um, and then it once it once I figured out what was going on, I was like, "This is fantastic." Mm. Um, I don't think the film like lets their their what what O'Neill calls their parlor socialism. Off the hook. I think yeah. it does interrogate that just as much as it interrogates Bolshevism. Mm-hmm. And the movie does have a larger thing to say about not specific ideologies, though it does have that, um, but about like what what happens when you try to like live the word with the deed. You know, mm. how how those things conflict. I want to just very briefly, and then I guess we can get into talking about all the fucking again. Um, I did <laughs> want to very briefly read this like excerpt from from the movie diary from yeah, yeah, yeah. movie diary entry about reds, which is just like phenomenal. And I cannot recommend it enough. Um, just because she's a great writer. And because we talked about this movie so fucking much <laughs> that I feel like she, like if, if we couldn't get her on the show, like let me at least like read what she, uh, what she wrote. So this is the last paragraph of her piece. And it's like, it ties it all up for me. <clears throat> like the witnesses as Beatty calls them in the film, the real life compatriots whose commentary and gossip about Bryant and Reed colors and shapes reds. My friends and I have spent the last few weeks discussing and debating these people, mapping their tensions and passions onto our own, wondering what decisions we'd make in their place. What makes reds so timeless is the way the questions of who and how to love where and when to prioritize your vocation and how to balance desire against idealism feel as unanswerable and urgent as they ever did. 
All Reds can offer us is the promise that politically and romantically the struggles we face will be ongoing and full of reversals, but that it is ennobling to risk something of yourself and face these struggles with courage. Mm. Boom. Wow. Holy she shit. She nailed it. True. So perfect. It's perfect. perfect. You watch this movie and you think oh. like, yes, like I too am caught up in the passion of this possibility, the fervor oh. of an anti-war movement, of a labor movement. And, they, and they're looking at the world around them, the system that they've inherited that like is still very Victorian in much the way that the world that we've inherited is also oddly enough, like still very Victorian. Yeah. Um, right. And they're thinking there's, we know there's another way. We know there's another way. And as individuals who are trying to the best of their ability to chip away at something that's systemic and institutional, the, the greatest contribution that they can make is to live their principles. Mm-hmm. And yet in so doing, it puts them at odds with like what appears to be the only alternative, right? Which is mm-hmm. like communism. Right. Um, real quick too, although I, none of these are really quick because I'm like, really, <laughs> sorry. Like, oh, I, please, no, listen, yeah. this is what we're here for. I sat up in bed with like a Dominican breakfast sandwich in my California vape, like <laughs> 10 minutes before I hopped on this call and you guys are now paying the price. And I, I love it. <laughs> The real MVP of this movie for me, if I may, yeah. as much as I love and want to fuck everyone else in this film, and I love the soap opera here, and I love the like the right. sweeping drama, it's our American Zhivago, like I love all that stuff. Emma Goldman as the voice of reason in this picture, Brian oh. Stapleton is here, like looking at these kids and just being like, you don't even know, like I was mm. like, you know, mimeographing birth control pamphlets during the fucking like taft administration yeah you little pissant kids like <laughs> sit down and let me tell you what it's all about emma goldman as the voice of like anarchy over mm. bolshevik style communism like i came away from this movie being like oh yeah anarchism is like the answer like i kind of was right. like it's not like the new one for me like as you know um because i hate states and borders but like her her coming in and saying like we can get the firewood ourselves but like it's mm-hmm. against protocol so we're not allowed to do it like what she's what she's trying to get everybody to do as they as they deal with their messy personal foibles and like their and their um their class consciousness and the guilt that's associated with that class consciousness and everything she's out here going like okay forget all of that mm-hmm. like you you want to like play act as a revolutionary fine that's that's whatever it's going to be but like you're not going to get anything done like fucking each other and standing around in a meeting hall like what you really have to be doing is do all that stuff but also find time to like do things with the people around you like to galvanize them for all of you to work together not to look for your answers at a podium because mm-hmm. even when john reed goes to the socialist conference to try and like stage that coup mm-hmm. the you know, and it's lit like a Nazi rally on purpose, you know, like they've got this tall uh, dais and this backlighting and, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. Uh, and the head of the Socialist Party goes, you know, get the get these men out of here and calls the cops. And John Reed yeah. says, look at this guy. He's calling the cops like he's a he's a narc. Like, this isn't what we're what mm-hmm. we're going to do. It's socialism. Who, who invited them? You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like, Emma Goldman has like the real way forward with this. And I yeah. believe that like the sexual liberation that these characters are putting themselves through or what they're trying to accomplish, like. You know, they're doing, they're like trying to fuck the revolution into being by like fucking each other. And Emma Goldman's out here being like, look, it's not, you know, you're on the right track. Like, obviously this bodily autonomy through sexual liberation is like the first step, but like, you're not going to find it in like a meeting hall or at a party election. Yeah. With her on that in a major way, like maybe that's just my convenient excuse for not being much of a joiner, but (laughs) kind of right, you know? Oh, totally. And she's such an interesting character because I think that like, I mean, one, I love her relationship with Louise and I love that she is like the hardest on her because she doesn't have that sort of like patriarchal patronizing thing that some of the male characters do where they're both dismissive, but they're like a little soft on her because, you know, she's a little lady. But I also like that she's like Emma Goldman isn't totally like let off the hook either. Like she's got her personal foibles as well. Cause I mean, I love the scene when she's in jail and she's like, make sure they get my picture in the papers. Like make sure that it says uh, the woman that America was too afraid to yep. confront or whatever. Like, yeah. She's, she's not, not, she's not immune to it either. And I think yeah. that that's also like the, I mean, the, the great, tragedy of this movie other than the love story of these two people who are like both pig-headed and have to fight in order to be together the great tragedy of this movie truly is the the reconciliation of the individual and the collective need Mm. right and like whether or not what you're doing is enough to bring that into fruition i mean i was so upset and so moved like very early on in the film where they talk about going to the convention to get um 
you know, Wilson's endorsement and getting him to go on the record and say like, America's not going to enter the war. Mm-hmm. And you know exactly what's going to happen. Like then right. is now you cannot trust any Democrat to actually like follow through on a socialist mm-hmm. agenda. Right. As loath as I am to admit, and I know some of them are trying very hard to like, you're still dealing with an institutional two-party system and, and, right. and the things that we want are going to come from that. And it's tragic to watch this and think like, oh my goodness, this movie was made in 1980. It was 50 years ago, almost. It's about 1914 and it's right. still happening. Why does this keep happening? Like I, I thought that was so gratifying and I thought it was so horrifying too. Watching yeah. this movie and thinking like nothing changes. Mm-hmm. And even the, yeah. the, the, the witnesses say the same thing. They say it about sex, but it could be about anything. They say, oh, you know, people were fucking just as much back then as they are now. Right. You know, they just talked about it differently, you know, and, and mm-hmm. I think it's true. Like people were fucking then. I think people are fucking now too. I just think they're talking about it differently. Um, yeah. There's no change. Yeah, and, and like the, you know, talking about the year when it came out, I mean, it is so interesting. Yeah. As we touched on in the beginning that, you know, it, this, idea like first arrived in like the late 60s and like the fact that this already feels like you know it's about you know 1914 but it already feels like elegiac about the 60s like the fact that it like wasn't made until the early 80s and it's like you could see how this like this dream of revolution kind of died through you know the late 60s and into the 70s it's amazing to think about too because there is a lot of finger pointing um, you know, in, in like leftist movements, I mean, there's a lot of finger pointing everywhere, but like the, the other kind of great tragedy of any kind of leftist movement in this country is that it requires cooperation and pluralism. Mm. So you have multiple people from multiple walks of life and we all have to be aligned, you know, mm. on our common goals while also accommodating for all that difference as right. we can. Um, on the other side, it's easy. They're all the same and they all yeah. want one thing, which is to get rid of the rest of us. So they never have a problem with, you know, uniting around a common goal. Their common goal is obvious. Our common goal is like a many-sided D&D dice, you know, sided die. And you roll it and it could land on any, you know, conceivable thing. And you have to see every side of it at once. So Mm -hmm. continuous, you know, I don't want to say like failure of leftist movements, because if it was truly a failed thing, like if we were looking truly at, at failure, none of us would be talking about this now. Mm. Right. We wouldn't know about it. There wouldn't be any ability to talk about it. Right. But when we look at the the disappointment, I should say, of, of leftist movements in the past, like, you know, there's a lot of finger pointing as to like, what are we doing wrong? You know, what isn't being done? Who aren't we speaking to? Who aren't we advocating for, et cetera? Um, and ultimately it neglects to include also like the very... Um, concerted institutional efforts to squash leftism in this country and like lets the state off the hook in a major way. Yeah. You know, Louise Bryant being called before like a congressional committee to testify right. that she's not a communist. And the fact that so many of these, these laws about communism are still on the books in this country. Mm-hmm. And it was very obviously an attempt to curtail the, the, you know, speech and movement rights of anyone who wasn't like a white Protestant. That's it. Right. That's yeah. all it was. And like, we, we give ourselves like um, a lot of the blame for this mm-hmm. because of infighting and because of our, our inability to like see these things with nuance. And I think that's all very valid. But like we also got to keep in mind, like the American government has been trying to like expunge any kind of socialism or communism from its its day to day political life for like over 100 years. Right. You know, um, and, and I think that's an important thing to keep in mind when you watch this movie, too. Like the witnesses, especially like their their talk mm-hmm. about how frightening it was and how right. they were like rounded up and spied on hundred years yeah. ago. This is even yeah. before the FBI existed. You know right. what I mean? Right. There was already a state apparatus to spy on people for political reasons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, we definitely, <laughs> yeah, it all felt all right, This isn't very much about fucking. It's just no, like- but that's fine. But I mean, no, I mean, cause it, it, it all feels so relevant. It's like when you look at like, you know, the strange deaths of like Ferguson activists and you, even just a couple of years ago when all the protests were happening, like how, yeah. you know violent the police response was like you know it all it all feels very very immediate uh yeah, yeah the the sort of like fear of like you know there's the liberation of uh the people in these like leftist movements but also the fear of like the fact that it, it will be you know violently suppressed <laughs> but anyways and, and <laughs> there too in like um in like priorities mm. you know i mean john reed's great kind of tragedy in this movie is that he goes from being a great muckraking journalist to wanting to become a public figure and yeah. thinking that he knows better than the people he's talking to. Mm. You know? And you see that in the scenes where he's covering the IWW mm-hmm. at the mill and the cops come in and break it up, you know, um, or the scenes where he covers different 
uh, meetings and conventions where he's asking the right questions and he's out here. He's got um, a name and he has a platform available to him and he has resources. Like he comes from a good family. You know what I mean? So he is by all accounts, like a, a, a good person to kind of like move this message into like the, the world of polite society. Mm. And instead he gets caught up in this idea that he can be a great man mm. who can advocate for people that, you know, even though he's been documenting their lives and working with them, he doesn't really understand. Yeah. And that scene with Jack Keogh where he talks about his wife coughing blood like that. I keep going back to that scene is like, yeah, the, the, if you could pick one thing that perfectly encapsulates like all the political flaws of this movie or like of their, their ideology mm-hmm. that's the one um but back to the fucking yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> i know well, it's funny celebration of like sexy hot people and now it's turning into like you know aunt caroline's anarchy corner <laughs> i mean listen that's the whole Honestly, thing with this movie it's like everyone benefits from it <laughs> yeah well, I mean, well it's funny what they were like these people they would be like arguing until like we small hours and they'd be like oh i guess we have to sleep together yeah. yeah, and then fucking while like the dog is like jumping on the bed with them, like oh, that's my favorite, my favorite little horny moment of the movie is when they're like <laughs> gently fucking in bed and the dog is just like sitting beside them. <laughs> but you said before we got on that you think that uh, like the left has a reputation for being like non horny or non sexy. Oh yeah, well, I, I, I agree. I think. Well, so. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I so we talked for uh, we got on about how I went to uh, DSA queer speed dating uh, last week. Um, But yeah, it was a that was a horny group. And if anything, I think that like, I maybe think of like liberals rather than like leftists as being like non horny, especially I mean, you know, maybe this is just spending too much time on Twitter, but all the people basically being like, all all sex, all horniness is like, inherently problematic. (laughs) Of course. Or that it's not good praxis because it brings you pleasure. You know? Yeah. yeah. The the battle for sexual autonomy is like the perfect encapsulation of every battle that we're waging on all fronts with, with fascism, mm-hmm. which is the opposite of what we want, obviously. Um, and like the left's reputation for being not horny, I think, comes from like the idea that like all heterosexual sex has to be predatory instead of celebratory right. or liberatory. Oh, um, mm-hmm. Which is just, you know, it's like such a bummer as as we've established as a as a lazy hoe myself, you know, um, I, I'm like so upset by this idea because like last I checked, like, you know, fucking people is great. Like we should all be doing it all the time. Like there's nothing wrong with it. There's right. no shame in the game. Like why are we making people feel bad? And I really appreciate that like as much as this movie is set like a hundred and something years ago. And was made by a male star of the new Hollywood era in the 1980s. And mm-hmm. the women on this shoot were probably, by all accounts, treated horribly. Yeah. The way that everybody on a film shoot at this time is probably treated horribly. Right. Um, it still has, like, a very positive attitude towards sex for, for pleasure's sake. And for, like, for it being this thing that you can kind of give uh, freely and willingly and accept freely and willingly. And the idea that women have desire, too. Like, mm-hmm. Louise Bryant has desire. She names that desire. Like, they talk about it in this film. And I don't know where this reputation for the left not being horny enough, like, really came from. But, like, I I find it really encouraging that you went to, like, uh, you know, an event that was put on by, like, a political organization. Yeah. And it was, like, a horny thing that happened. Like, yeah. Yeah. It, what it said on the box. Like, you yeah. got to have like, <laughs> um, that was, like, revelatory and exciting. Hmm. If enough people watch this movie, <laughs> think that we can bring about, like, the horny utopia. I think it's true. And, you know, <laughs> yeah, I, I, so we're going to wrap up the conversation because we've got uh, a little quiz before we end, but I think I have that an we... update on my vacuum. Oh, oh, oh yes, 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 yes. yes. <laughs> How's the vacuum going? <laughs> get to it later. Okay. Sounds good. Well, yeah. So I think that one thing we can take away from this is that um, Warren Beatty calling up every starlet in like the sixties through the eighties and saying, what's up pussycat uh, was praxis. So I, apparently he was like a phone guy like he would just call and talk to you on the phone that's so hot god he's so hot i would do anything if, if i was just chilling in my like whatever bungalow and like pico robertson i was yeah. sitting in my friend's guest house in in the on the west side uh when i was out in la and it was like uh, the kato kalen guest mm-hmm. house you know like one room with the kitchenette and i felt very like like a uh, dead starlet in there it was really cool it was very lana but <laughs> so if, glamorous. imagine like you're hanging out 
on like the patio and you get a call and it's like, what's up, what's up Matt? Oh my God, is your cigarettes like burning down? Oh. <laughs> like, like not even trying to book a date, just killing time. He was probably getting his dick sucked by another girl. Yeah, yeah. You know what? That's okay with me. Good for him. Oh. I'm glad to see that there's a man out there with a positive sexual identity. I think men in general can learn a lot from one baby. Just being like, I'm a great lover of women and I delight in like pleasing them. Yeah. Oh, um, I mean, Brady would not be able to pull down that many chicks if he was bad in bed. Exactly. He's someone that I think of as like wholesomely horny. And I, yeah. I love that. He's a good old fashioned American is apple pie. Yes. This is America's apple pie, I will say, coming off the 4th of July weekend. You know, we need to, like, re-embrace our horniness in this country. I uh, I agree 100%. Yeah. Well, okay, so we've got a little game. Uh, this one is called The Commie Quiz. Ooh. So, oh, boy. <laughs> I will read out questions, and uh, then I will ask you guys to name uh, the famous communists that I'm referring to. These are all American communists or uh, alleged communists. Okay. Uh, so, that include yeah. like actors that were like blacklisted and things like that. Oh yeah. We didn't even get into that shit. God damn it. <laughs> oh, listen, we're having you back. We're going to talk about Reds again because we've got too much to go over. Yeah, we're, we are going to talk about Reds again for we're sure. Back, I need to watch it at least. Episode, and we can talk about the HUAC and how and how um, yes. McCarthy murdered, basically murdered John Garfield. Hot communist John Garfield. Oh, God, we have to do a John Garfield episode. (laughs) What a starker. Oh, my God. That man, I know his dick was great. He's like my favorite kind of Jew. Like (laughs) downtown, like Uh street gang, stickball playing. Yes. I'm chewing. He's like 5'9", maybe. Yes. Buck 70, all muscle, like a fire plug. That's yeah, like, that like barrel chest. <laughs> just like a short, muscly guy. You know, oh. plays like great, like great center fielder. You know, <laughs> perfect. The hottest kind of guy. Oh my gosh. All oh, right. So okay, you okay. know the answer yeah. to these questions. Tommy in by saying your name. All right. Number one. This Spartacus scribe was played in a movie by the dad from Malcolm in the Middle. Caroline. Caroline, let's go. Mm. Um, Dalton Trumbo. That's right. Ding, 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 ding. Oh, yeah. He's the Johnny Got Your Gun guy. Yeah. There we go. Oh, we love Dalton Trumbo here. We love Dalton Trumbo. All right. Number two. This sweaty star of a Mel Brooks movie was famously funny during during his HUAC trial. Why? It's tradition. Carolyn. Yes. Zero Mustel. Zero Mustel. Oh, my God. All of these. (laughs) Oh, I knew that we had the perfect guest for this quiz. (laughs) Capitalism is rigged. Yeah. Oh, Brad's true. It's true. All right. Number three. He was tired of living and scared of dying, but his great acting. Dang it. This is the one guy I know. (laughs) You have it. You You had it. You had it. You had it. Wasn't early. All right, who's it gonna be? Who's it gonna be? Wait, on the count of three, let's say it at the same time. Yes. Okay. All right. Three. One, two, two, three. Three. Paul, Paul Robeson. Yes. Oh. <laughs> Everyone's oh, favorite. Good. My oh, favorite God. communist, Paul Robeson. Yes, uh, mine too. He is so high. My, oh my, my God. favorite uh fairy tale my parents would tell me about. Look, you don't want to get famous because they'll do to you what uh they did to Paul Robeson and oh my oh, god. god wait that is like such an interesting like origin story <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah uh I mean most of if most of my life is pretty much just that it's just like you don't want to be like this guy they tried to kill that guy yeah <laughs> it's the tall poppy syndrome you don't want to attract too much attention the tallest mm. poppy is just stay alive <laughs> <laughs> I will say your parents, like both of you, sound really cool. <laughs> well, we were... yeah, because my parents had the poster for Reds in their house. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, we were listening to like Rush Limbaugh when I was a kid. This is. Whoa, I'm sorry. Yeah. I know. Uh. <laughs> anyway, number four. <laughs> Gentlemen prefer comms like her. Really? Hmm. Wow. Yeah. Really? I mean, supp- allegedly. I mean, Terrible? I know. Allegedly. Is it? I said that I said that these were confirmed and alleged. So you know. Okay. Well, Marilyn Monroe. Yeah. I mean, really. 
they a communist or did they just call her in because she was married to Arthur Miller? That could be it. But, you know, I, I choose to claim her for us. You know? Sure. Wouldn't yeah. surprise me. <laughs> yeah, if she's down, she's, she's down. down. I mean, I'm sure she at least had a period, you know? Everybody was a communist back then. It was like, no offense, it was like being in the DSA. Like, everybody signed up for it. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. And, oh, real quick, just a bit of, like, this should have been trivia, but John Garfield, uh-huh. who we'll talk about later, obviously, famed alleged communist. Uh-huh. Um, the charge that they brought him up on for the HUAC committee yeah. was um, premature anti-fascism. So before... <laughs> involved, what? Yeah. Oh my God. Once we were involved in the war, it was okay. But if you were making anti-fascist films during like the Spanish Civil War or like the nascent uh-huh. days of the Third Reich or the Italian, uh, you know, the like the Mussolini Italian yeah. fascist party, like anything that you were doing that had something that was anti-fascist about it, premature anti-fascism he got into he was too too anti-fascist too early and that's what that's what they brought him up on that is amazing you can read his file god he was so fucking hot jesus (laughs) all hot i think fascists hate us because our people are hotter i think that might be we've named in this trivia pursuit is hot fucking beautiful i'm about to buy his julius garfinkel Beautiful man. I know. Paul Robeson, John Garfield, Marilyn Monroe. Oh my God. Come on. (laughs) Natalie Kahn, Zero Mistel. Let's go. Come on. Okay. Well, the last question. So this one is uh, getting out of, it's still on the topic of commies, but the answer is not a communist. Hmm. All right. This rat fink snitched on his friends and colleagues, then made a movie to try to morally justify being a little worm. Carolyn. Yeah. Don't you? No idea. We just talked about this before we got on. Oh, wait. Oh, God. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Fuck him, right? Shonda. I know. Do you remember who it was? There was like some caca that didn't stand up at the Oscars. When they gave oh. an, an award, were, weren't there several? Like, I like, I think Barbara didn't stand. Oh, really? Uh, Good for her. I know. Holy moly! Yeah, I think there were a lot of them that sat down. Yeah. Oh, but there was someone. It was some hot guy who it was going around on Twitter. Recently. I'm looking it up. Don't worry. <laughs> Many refuse to clap as Kazan receives Oscar. Television cameras cut. You ready? Mm-hmm. Steven Spielberg remains seated, although he applauded. Mm-hmm. Okay. Aaron Beatty, Helen Hunt, and Meryl Streep stood and applauded. Bad praxis. Oh. Actors Nick Nolte, Ed Harris, and Amy Madigan made a point of staying in their seats and not applauding. Yes. Whoa! Yes. Ugh. Nick Nolte! We love Nick Nolte. <laughs> yeah, before we got on, Caroline, uh, I did talk about the fact that I went to some silent films at the Met last night, and uh, it was introduced by Paul Dano and Zoe Kazan. And I said, unfortunately, I think I should talk to her on the podcast before because right. she was like, because she was like, well, of course, my grandpa had to snitch like he was a Greek immigrant. <laughs> well, but here's the thing, though, and I find this interesting, like. Is there is there like, do we on the left, can we on the left ever like. Uh, find a language and a means to offer like redemption to people who who transgress right. and like what? I think, yeah, I think it's possible. And I think, I think her point is is interesting because yeah, yeah, he was, but also at the same time, like you're talking about Hollywood in the 1950s, like fucking yeah. buddy. They were all fucking Jewish refugees. Was, like yeah. <laughs> a bunch of like immigrants and Jews and gays over there. Like yeah. what do you think is running the show. So like, mm. you know, yeah, he squealed. Okay, fine. Yeah. But also like there are a lot of people who lost their livelihoods. I mean, it's, it, it's one of those yeah. things, where, you know, obviously, yes, he does bear an individual responsibility for being mm-hmm. like a snitch because that's fucked and right. screw him. But at the same time, like, why not reserve the majority of that ire for like the system that puts him in that position? Right. Oh, I agree with that. Yeah, I think that um, the I big still think it's shitty. He should have. Yeah. Yeah. That. yeah, that's the thing. It's like if he hadn't spent the rest of his career being like, I didn't do anything wrong. It would be one thing, you know, but he was like always like justifying doing it. It's like just you could say it was kind of a shitty thing to do you made a but, mistake yeah, yeah that you were you were looking into self-preservation which is understandable you know yeah. everyone does it but, but you yeah. should still apologize for it yeah exactly yeah. anyway yeah. that was the commie quiz caroline uh, you, you took amazing. it in a walk <laughs> the commie quiz 
that was as beautiful. We, because as we've established, we're the, it's the hotter side. Exactly. exactly. Communists are hotter. Anarchists are hotter. Socialists are hotter. <laughs> Die mad, bitch. <laughs> and on that note, <laughs> Caroline, where can people follow you? And do you have anything coming up that people should look out for? Oh, well, um, it depends on when this episode is dropping. Do you know when? Next week, baby. What time next week? Like what Friday. day? Uh, Friday. Oh, okay. All, right. All right. Well, by the time you're hearing this, I will have already introduced uh, Safe in Hell at the Nighthawk Prospect Park, which I cannot stress enough is an amazing film. Pre-code picture from 1933, print from the Library of Congress. Ooh. Um, yeah, I know. I'm excited. Christina booked it, and she's a genius. Amazing. Um, on August 18th, 818 Day, um, I will be introducing the film Swingers at the Roxy Cinema and speaking oh briefly about the film and its magical hold on me as a, you know, as a Angelino who loves Vegas. Um, <laughs> part of a larger series called Death or Las Vegas or Hell or Las Vegas. I don't remember what it's called. The Baffler Magazine has yeah. asked my friend, handsome Steve McFarlane, fellow spectacle um, colleague, mm-hmm. to uh, put together a series of films about Las Vegas. And uh, oh. a lot of them are prints. The Swinger screening is a print too, so come check that out. Um, I will be introducing it, uh, yeah, August 18th. See you there for Swingers. It's going to be oh, hell Monday. Yeah. Me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. And unfortunately, hot Republican, Vince Vaughn. I mean, whatever. John Favreau is like <laughs> ruined uh, American cinema, but like, <laughs> <laughs> <It's> very true. <laughs> but he was looking good in that movie. Mm. <laughs> okay. He's fine to say they all are. Um, and then otherwise, I don't know. I'm I'm trying to finish making a movie that I shot most of um, yes. here, and all the updates about that you will likely find on my Twitter for as long as Twitter exists. Yeah, yeah. Um, or my website, yes. cinema-firmament.com. It's ungoogleable. Um, other than that, I'm just hanging out. It's summer. I'm in bed. I got the AC going. I ah, good. I'm going to the pool. Or going to a public pool later, like a good communist. Damn. Oh yeah. My now God. that the schools are finally open, no thanks to our shithead cop mayor. Fuck him. Oh my fucking god. <laughs> June thirtieth. What a schmuck. I can't oh, believe god. that's like a month of pool time I've been robbed of. Okay, well, we hate Eric Adams here, but we uh, love. We Caroline. should do a. We should actually do another uh, Eric Adams focused episode. I guess this is a movie podcast, so maybe not. But uh, <laughs> Listen, I'm, one, have you done an episode about Deep Cover? Whoa! <gasps> that movie's hot. We have not. We have not. Whoa! Ooh, okay. it is going on the list. Oh, that's going on the motherfucking list. I love that movie. Uh, fucking good oh shit Jeff, oh, God. isn't that yeah he's super oh. hot he's oh, like the, the weasley jewish lawyer yeah 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 <laughs> oh god i love when he and you're like oh jeff goldblum why but he's so hot oh. he's, he's like, so hot uncut gems in that movie yeah oh oh okay oh. Deep cover man, is coming up. Fishburn. he's named after my brother russell stevens oh, oh. I love it. Uh, I, best, I, and it's also like does it overlap with Cowboy Curtis era or no? When was um, I don't think it does. Right when did when did um Pee Wee Herman go off? When was that? I want to say 92, 93. Deep cover is 96? 97? Oh, yeah, something mm. like that. 97. Oh, the tape. Deep cover. Okay. 92. Okay. Oh my god. Okay. So Damn. there might be some overlap. He might have had to <laughs> fucking was on from 1986 to 1990. Okay. Oh, All right. So after Pee Wee's Playhouse. Oh it's nice God. to entertain the I like idea. Yeah. <laughs> Pee Wee's Playhouse into deep cover. Like, <laughs> He's like learning. <laughs> He's dressed up, learning yeah. his lines. Yeah, this is this next one I'm about to do? Um, yeah. Uh, just cop out. movie. Yeah. <laughs> ah. Stop your reading. <laughs> um, uh. Amazing. Well, Michael, where can people find us? Oh, God, we're all over the internet. Um, <laughs> we're in the social media multiverse uh, mm-hmm. uh, threads uh, at Everyone is Hot Pod. That's Every Number One is Hot Pod. And if you listen to our show anywhere, you can rank us or rate our episodes. Give us, give us love, please. Yes, please, uh, please give us. If it's less than five stars, then I think you should maybe fuck yourself. 
yeah yeah i mean that's just that's just the way it is uh it's just the way it is <laughs> uh, well anyway michael beyond rating what should the listeners do uh stay vigilant stay principled and stay Ooh. horny Ready! How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.